episode 73 of Retro Encounter, the RPG fan podcast where we journal our game experiences and sometimes talk about off-topic things. But today we're here for a very special video game. We're going to talk about Chrono Trigger, the one, the only. But I'm not the one and the only pop panelist here today. There's four of us. My name is Mike Solosi. I'm Monsoon on the boards. Oh man, this has been super awkward so far. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You got it. <laughs> you sure? All right, yeah. all right. I'm, I'm gonna wing. I'm gonna wing it. Okay. I don't. I don't know what I was going for. Maybe I should write out intros. I don't. I always just wing it. Well, <laughs> that way. Well, anyway, the gentleman you heard right there was Chris Kabauer. Hello, friends. And the other gentleman you heard there was Peter Treisenberg. Howdy. And the lady you heard a moment ago is Alana Hayes. Hello, everyone. Yay. Now, as I stumbled over myself describing earlier, we're here to talk about Chrono Trigger. It's, um, as for most of the episodes for Retro Encounter, we did an internal staff vote on what game to play this month, and all our choices were uh, games that were in our Essential 10 list that we, uh, that we compiled about a year ago, and Chrono Trigger was the winner. It's the 1995 Super Nintendo Super Famicom classic that uh, I don't I don't think hit um, hit Europe until the PlayStation era. Is that right, Alana? Not until the DS, actually. Not until the we DS. We didn't get it. We didn't get it till 2009. Oh no! Yeah. Oh we wow. Didn't get trigger. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were deprived. You deprived of, of another classic. That's but... weird. Well, at least you got Terra Nigma <laughs> instead like... of the United States. That's that's basically a one to one trade, right? Yeah, that's the trade off. Mm-hmm. A little I, don't, bit. I don't know about that though, because Trigger's like the Ur classic game. Like when you're talking like retro great RPGs, like this is the one. Mm, it's yeah. It's many people's favorite RPG of that era, and I I include myself in that among those people. It's it's a classic in every sense of the world. In every sense of the word, um, yeah. I played. I didn't play it right when it came out. I think I played it within the first two years of its English release. But I remember my friends had it. I was fascinated by it. I got it as soon as I was able to find a copy at a local Funko Land, <laughs> and uh, that's a that's an old, yeah, that's another story. Yeah, that, oh, that, yeah. yeah. There's there's no Funko the <laughs> There's no Funko yeah. Lands around anymore, fellas. <laughs> when we were uh, assembling the panel and talking about uh, who was going to be on the episode, I was a little surprised to hear that one of our other three panelists ah. present has had not played it before. So, care to explain yourself a little bit, Chris? Yeah, so it's interesting because uh, while I had an SNES growing up, it was the first home console uh, that my brother and I got when we were young. We didn't really get new games. I think my parents, we had, of course, Super Mario World Pack-In. My parents got us Super Mario Kart and Kirby's Avalanche. And then we inherited games from you know, friends and families that were getting rid of whatever they had. And so... Uh, most I, I didn't play console RPGs until PlayStation, so that meant that pretty much every classic from the SNES era I've had to play retroactively, mostly from high school on. Uh, and I, I've actually tr- started Chrono Trigger a couple times before. Once was when I I purchased Final Fantasy Anthology. Uh, no, not Anthology. It was Chronicle, right? Chronicle uh, yeah, was the Final one Fantasy had, uh, Chronicles. It was um, that those... had this and FF4. For PS One, yeah, those, came out those four games PS4. were released individually in Japan, but uh, they were packaged. Yeah, yeah. They were packaged in the United in North America as anthology for five and six, and yep. Chronicles for four and Chrono Trigger. And I played four first on that disc or on that set, and then uh, it vanished. Still don't know how. Uh, 
I was living in an apartment downtown in New York City at that time and just don't know if it just vanished into the walls or what the hell happened. But I never got around to Trigger. And then years later, a very good friend of mine basically hounded and insulted me until I picked up the DS copy. And I started it. Yep. I loved it. I was uh, up until, uh, I think, Site 32. And then life got in the way because it was my last year of college uh, at art school. And then when I went back to it, it was one of those things of like, I don't want to start from here. I want to have to start over. But there's other <laughs> stuff to play. And it just always got back shell. So I would play. And then I got into a kick of... I'm going to play stuff on original carts. So I was trying to hunt down the Chrono Trigger cart. And of course, that's way too expensive. So instead, I would be doing, you know, the secret of manas and whatnot. And then, and then this podcast happened and a great excuse appeared. And now I'm doing it. Good. After being, you yeah. know, uh, ridiculed again by more people in my life. <laughs> Josh had your throat. Shut your throat. Was... <laughs> I, I definitely understand college getting in the way because there are five or six games, mostly PS2 and PS3 RPGs, that I had to drop unceremoniously uh, oh, yeah. be, because of exams or something happening. And I, I took care of one of those earlier this year with Shadow Hearts Covenant. But Chrono yeah. Trigger, I, I'm, I'm always a little surprised when I hear someone hasn't played it and is a fan of RPGs and has played other games from that era because, I mean, this is an unfair perspective on my part, but I think of it as one of the real staples of that era and one of the best Japanese RPGs full stop. Oh, it is. And it's on most people that I know who played RPGs in that era, whether they be people from the site, friends from growing up and all the rest of it. My whole life, it's always been a title I've heard as the title or one of those titles. Right. You know, especially for that NES to SNES era. If you weren't doing your, you know, your wizardries and your wasteland ones and whatnot on PC, like these were the console games. And this one specifically with, Secret of Mana and FF, well, 3 and 2 at the time, and now 6 and 4. Like Those were those games that everyone was like, guys, we're there. We're doing these cool stories. You have to see what they're making happen. Uh, but yeah, it just always eluded me. Okay, now, um, I hate to date myself a little bit, but uh, Peter yeah. and Alana, both of you are about, I want to say, six or seven years younger than me. So I, I was about uh, nine or ten years old when Chrono Trigger came out, and you would have been barely playing games, if at all, when Chrono Trigger came out. So, <laughs> so, uh, so how, how did he... Um, I guess, uh, Peter, go first. How did you uh, encounter Chrono Trigger for the first time and play it? Well, I think I, told, I, think I mentioned this story on um, our first RPG podcast. I, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. But um, quick, the quick version is that um, a friend of mine in high school well, got me into it. Um, it was the DS version. Um, yes. I wasn't really into RPGs at the time. Not for lack lack of interest or anything. I just didn't. I just just hadn't really gotten around to him. Mm -hmm. And he let me borrow his copy. And he's just like, "Look, if you don't if you don't like it, give it back back to me tomorrow." But I, I you really do need to 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 try this. And I'm like, "Okay, okay, sure, yeah, whatever." Gangsty high school student. Good friend. Went um, went back home was and I was um, and I got all the way to uh, the the. I got to the post-apocalyptic future by the end of the night. And then I was like, yeah, so can I hold on to this for a bit? <laughs> and then I got my own copy and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Um, fun fact, actually, I, I, I fought Lavos again from the, from like the beginning of the game when I started it just for this right. podcast. 
and uh, that turned out to be my fifteenth clear. <laughs> oh yeah, Chris, you may not know you may not know this. Um, Chrono Trigger has a bunch of endings depending on when you fight Lavos, yes, because uh, there's a uh, once you get to the section called the end of time, mm-hmm. you, can, you can you can start challenging him right there. Yes, but also in the first ten minutes of the game, if you there's a secret spot where you can check to immediately jump to Lavos with a party of only Chrono and Marl. Really? And, yeah, you can do it with just Chrono if you really oh. if you really try. If, oh, if you go, yeah. if you go there after, after, yeah, if you go there after Marl leaves, you can actually challenge Lavos with just Chrono. Well, that sounds I've like a done nightmare. <laughs> well, I, I yeah. have, I have done it before. It's, it's not that challenging if you do a new game plus and fight them at level star star or whatever. Uh... Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> or, yeah, I think or, or, or whatever. Yeah, but, but... <laughs> you, you spam, you spam you being hardcore. and you give Chrono the 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 the. the the um, accessory that gives him like an eighty percent counter rate, and you win. Yeah, that works. I, mean, I would, I would just give him the prism specs, which makes all of his attacks do fifty percent more damage. Totally, that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah that, that's good. Yeah, those are good. But you, w- we won't have found them yet because uh, because <laughs> nope. our our official stop point for this episode is right after defeating Azula at the Tyranno Lair. So we will spoil no, the hell out of out of the game up until then. <laughs> but. <laughs> But after that, we're gonna try to avoid uh, discussing because I mean, I mean, it's it's unlikely that listeners haven't uh, are listening to this and and don't know about Chrono Trigger. But it, uh, just in case, we're gonna Yay. cap the spoilers at that point. Now, Alana, you said that, uh, and I, and I apologize for not knowing this, but um, the UK never got never saw Chrono Trigger until that DS version. No, we didn't. Really sadly, and I even skipped over the DS version. So. I don't know why. I can't really remember. I think... Well, I'd managed to pick up, strangely, I was in, like, a car boot sale, which I think is the equivalent of, like, a backyard or a junk sale, maybe, in America. And I happened to come across a Japanese Famicom, Super Famicom cart of Chrono Trigger for, like, five pounds and thought, you know what, I've got to own this just so I can say I own it. And then I just hung on to it, and the DS version came out, kind of passed me by. I knew it was there, but it was just kind of, like... I didn't want to play it handheld. I wanted to play it as kind of normally as possible. Yeah. So I heard it came out and we did up in between going to college and going to university. So played through it and sped through it. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, how, how much are uh, are Super Nintendo games in the Wii Virtual Console? Uh, this one was more expensive because I think normally they're about five ninety nine or four ninety nine. I can't actually remember. Mm-hmm. Trying to trigger thing for earthbound as well for the wii u so they bump it up by like 20 percent or whatever because it's like oh you've never had this game before but i was like 649 is like nothing like that game was like 40 50 dollars when it first came out Mm -hmm. so it's like if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and i remember being absolutely terrified because of the legacy it got and everyone's like chrono trigger is the quintessential bread and butter rpg and played it loved it absolutely loved it and it pretty much eclipsed everything i'd played in the last year and a half two years and <laughs> probably ever and i just remember going well i need to this was like the second or third super nintendo rpg i'd blitzed through and i was like i why didn't we get this why did they deprive us of it so but i haven't played it since so this is the second time i've played it and okay yeah i'm gonna i'm really 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 loved it really loving it again which is so nice because sometimes that doesn't happen yeah i was gonna say that's you you said something about how you know with the fear of playing a game that you missed that's a classic and then not enjoying it 
Yeah. I always, I always had that with Chrono Trigger because everyone would would just gush so obscenely. It's like, ah. yeah, I hope I feel that way. I really hope I'm with you. It's intimidating in a way. Like, um, even if it's a classic movie or a book, it's like, well, this is one of the great classics. What if I don't like it? What if I uh, maybe even going there, going there, like determined not to like? It's like, man, this thing isn't a classic. I haven't seen, I haven't read it or seen it yet. I don't need to play this thing. But sometimes the classics are classic (laughs) for a reason. It, it can also be the time and everyone's place reaction argument. to reading Paradise Lost for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, seriously, <laughs> yeah. But but that's the thing of like a, there's that there's also that argument of when people say greatest, it uh, that can be weighted with its significance for a medium or for a genre and all the rest of it, and that can still resonate, you know, for forever. But is the game itself still incredible? And that doesn't always hold up as much. But playing those games, you can absolutely realize, oh, yeah, no, I, I could see why this was the greatest thing ever, and it's still good. Granted, Chrono Trigger is actually still fantastic, so it's kind of irrelevant. All right, so it, it seems like that uh, all four of us enjoy Chrono Trigger, I think is yeah, is, is safe to say. But um, mm-hmm. let's, let's go into the game's background a little bit. It's unusual in that it's uh, the only game that was made by that particular team. It was uh, uh, done by Square from 1993 to 1995, came out in 95, uh, by a group that's usually referred to as the Dream Project. It's um, the Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi, the Dragon Quest creator Yuji Horii, Dragon Ball artist Akira Toriyama, and a bunch of like top-level Square guys from that era when Square was... At you know, if not their creative peak, a could def- do no wrong. Yeah, definitely a crest in the you know, in in the history of uh, Square development. I, I forget where I read this, but um, <laughs> didn't they come up with the idea in a hotel? Yeah, they were in a hotel room. Yeah, those three, the first three guys that I mentioned, uh, all went were at a conference in the United States, and they were and they hung out, and they decided they wanted that they would like to do a game together, and they came out with. The, the earliest sketches of Chrono Trigger. Um, I don't know if it was a hotel, but it was, uh, but like a, a couple meetings not in Japan. Uh, and, and when you look at the staff of Chrono Trigger, a lot of them uh, are like, like Yoshinori Kitase was one of the directors. A lot of them are uh, square people that were there for 20 years and are still there today. It's like, it's a, a lot of the people that worked on Chrono Trigger were it's just the all-star cast. Yeah, it, it was the best of the mm-hmm. best of square at that time. It really is. It really is like um, a jam session in a way. It's like some of the best creative minds in the RPG uh, industry, like coming together. And you know, with that kind of pedigree, it's no wonder that Chrono Trigger has such a special place in a lot of gamers' hearts. The fact, the fact that it, it holds up so well to this day. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting because yeah, we were talking actually before we started recording about uncharted 4 and how much animation is in that game and how it it just it adds so much layer what blows my mind about chrono trigger is actually kind of the same thing is the visual detail you know take away even just uh the rpg systems and the game systems with tech dual tech and everything else and your class and your characters and how they all interact with each other just from an animation perspective of wind in your hair when you move to how you swing your sword instead of just the more traditional turn-based kind of thing of like, now my sprite's going to move to that side and they're going to do a generic attack thing. Yeah. Uh, every it's... piece, uh, every attack, every tech, it's just so well-crafted. 
shadows in the forest are extra detailed with color so that it's light falling through the leaves, not just a shadow. The bats, when you're uh, approaching Magus's lair and how they leave the trees or the doves over Medina. And I know I'm getting into other spots of the game, but it's just so it, it just to your point about a, a dream team, it just feels like they went above and beyond to be like, OK, this is, a you know, we've made something great. How do we just keep tweaking and refining and adding more and give more detail? It's, well, and it's just a beautiful looking game, even today. Yeah. Yeah, when you talk about like how how accurately it transcribes um, Toriyama's artwork into a 16-bit environment. Yeah, I mean, like it looks authentic. Like, yeah, that, it really does. And and working with such and and like and that, that that's working with such a limited bit of tech. Just it, it's able to work so well. Yeah. Like I I read somewhere, again I don't remember I remember exactly where, but they akined it to like you're trying to. You're trying to like make a sculpture with a toothpick. Like <laughs> you have such a tiny surface to work on, and you're making such an intricate looking, uh, intricate looking image. Right. Yeah, and and it's um comparing the sprites in Chrono Trigger to sprites of his contemporary games, even w- the ones made by Square, is pretty jarring because they uh like I mean the Final Fantasy four through six sprites sort of obviously live in a kind of rectangle and move sort of rigidly within that rectangle. Yep. But and I, I guess less so in Secret of Mana or Seiken and Tetsu 3. The, uh, the characters are bigger and expre- more expressive in that game, but don't have as many frames of animation as the Chrono Trigger uh, right. characters does do. And they're all and uh, in those games, characters are all sort of the same body type. While in Chrono Trigger, you have Frog and Robo and the seventh character who occupy much more space and uh, and you know aren't aren't the same size humanoid as the other characters. It's it's real it's really remarkable how each of the characters move and i think the art style holds up to this day um oh, absolutely. Oh, that, that reminds Lovely. me yeah chris um there is a seventh character you have six but you have six right now where you are you have the same this main six Correct. but are are you aware of who the seventh character is no idea okay all right we're oh. we're going to avoid right. talking about that character officially. <laughs> uh, dang it. We are... you might not even get him depending on what ending you go for yes. you might not even get him so anyway i've spoiled who like agenda but it's not surprising Interesting. Like yeah, this. and um, uh, the, okay. The the one spoiler thing I will tell you, Chris, is that uh, you defeat Lavos. Uh, what? You will you will be challenged. Ugh. You will be challenged to a duel, and you ha- and if you want the seventh character to join, you need to say no. Okay. Interesting. Okay. It, it's incredibly obvious at what yeah, point it it's, is. It's very. <laughs> it, it'll it'll be obvious that this character will join you if you decline. So uh, so okay. d- so decline the duel when that happens. You like you need this guy, this this person, this individual is the coolest. Okay, yeah, and and it's We're really it's, trying it's to cool. guide you under the right path. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, tell, it's, it's no, a cool, it's, it's a cool, popular, it's, it's a cool popular character. Okay, it's cool. Let, and uh, and let's see, and, and Chris, but your initial impression is positive. Like you're you were enjoying right. what you played. I really, I again, I I think the the mechanics are super fun. Doing the active time battle and and not letting it pause in the menus is super fun. Uh, it, even if it's only a little bit of a an extra stress meter, it just makes it a little bit more mm-hmm. intense when you're trying to heal someone and then they get smacked in the face and they pass out. Yeah, I just think, again, I, I really would say, you know, I, I haven't beaten it yet, so I can't say where does it rank for me, but uh, right. I hold true <laughs> to what I said before of I really think it's one of the most precisely made 
RPGs I've ever played from every element, from soundtrack to design to charm, you know, and how also, everyone celebrates a battle victory. Again, what I said about the animations and just the, the friggin' art of every landscape you go to. The details of, and I was joking about this with a friend recently, but I love when you go to the future and every time, it's such a little nice addition to kind of set the mood of every time you go into the ener- uh, en- Energy Tron or whatever the heck that thing's called. Yeah, the Energy Thank you. Uh, that afterwards, hungry. it feels like goes, still hungry. It's like, <laughs> it's just clearly everything was thought out to the nth degree, and it shows. Everyone obsessed over every little thing to the nth degree, and it shows. And it's not hidden from you, it's clearly present with all the detail. One thing that I always thought was, uh, in a way, tragic, but also a, a cool design idea. Uh, let me see. How do I where How do I start this? You know that that you can get some pretty good rewards by collecting items from monsters in the prehistoric era. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They they drop several kinds of items and you can trade them. Trade them in for stuff. Yeah, trade them in for stuff. And and they get and there's three rounds of stuff. There's the stuff the first time you go there. The stuff the second time Isla joins your party. Isla's the cave, the cave woman. <laughs> the, the, the yeah the the chieftain that joins that uh, joins you from that era. And then the third time at the end of the game. They, you can get like a super item for trading in ten of each, but after after the events of the Tyranno Layer and the Lavos Meteor lands, basically the availability of monsters is cut by more than half. I do because uh, the, the, like every kind of monster is harder to find. They're like the um, dinosaurs are slowly are slowly becoming extinct because of the oncoming ice age, and yep. and and also yeah. the like the inn where you can drink wa- uh, spring water to heal that's gone. Like the, no way! Yeah, okay, cool. the the uh, society starts to fall apart a little bit following the meteor, and that's a detail that's easy to miss unless you go unnecessarily visit there after this, the last sequence in in sixty five million BC. It's but there's so many little touches like that that make Chrono really special, and also sort of work as a time travel story. And I mean, this is, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but there's a lot of time travel stories that don't work at all. Yeah, I mean that's very true. Uh... Usually, and what I like about Chrono Trigger is it kind of, from what I can tell so far, it follows the kind of 12 monkeys rule to an extent. You can go back into the past to try and change things, but really the same stuff that would have existed seems to be happening anyway. It's just maybe being done by someone different, which I love. And I'm sure it changes because of I know how many different endings there are to the game, but in terms of the history of this world, how it's set up from the get-go of, like, 400 years ago, you know, the Fiend Lord was defeated. And then you go to the past, and it's like, oh, well, that's not happening, so we're going to make it happen. But then when you go back to the future, you know, their history hasn't changed, at least from what I've heard talking to people, in terms of how it happened. And maybe those details become more present as I talk to more people. Unfortunately, the best the best indication the best ways that Chrono Chrono Trigger plays with time travel isn't until the second half of the game. So I wish oh, okay. I so about then it now. Fair enough, I really want to get there. I was just saying, there's a rather meaty segment of the game that is almost entirely optional, but has but that's where it plays with the time travel segments um, in the oh. most interesting ways. Okay. And um, this is also this is also getting super super ahead, but um, its sequel plays with. The, the concept of time travel in a really interesting way. Yeah, Chris, um, you know how there's a like a subtitle to your save file every time you save? Yes. When that subtitle becomes the Faded Hour, which is the second-to-last one that you'll find, 
Oh um, yeah, I've heard there's like tons of random stuff you can do. Tons. There's there's uh I think there's one specific lengthy side quest for every character other than Chrono. Cool. Uh, so like, and that's where that really yeah, uh, so, so six, deviates. Okay. Six big side quests and a bunch of smaller things. So yeah, I, I've been I, trying really hard to avoid walkthroughs, especially for the yeah. sake of just being on it for the podcast. Because, uh, as we talked about with the rarefied air of this game, it's yeah, just like I wanted to see how things are yeah. going to unfold. Well, it's nice because it's not a really hard game. Like, it might no, make no, you no. play really quickly, but it's not difficult. Like, you can you learn things really quickly. You you know, those monsters in the future 2300, You if you hit them, the little jelly ones, you hit them and you do, like, two damage, and you're like, oh, no, these must be immune to this. We must do magic, and yeah, then you exactly. do magic. That's really cool as well. I like, as well, talking about time travel, there are two things specifically I really like, and I like the way that when you start learning magic in the game, Isla can't learn it. And the reason Isla can't learn magic is because she exists in a time period where magic doesn't exist. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. so (laughs) magic, I can't remember when it's explained, but magic comes about because somebody interacts with basically some remnant of Lavos. I may have misunderstood that. That yeah, might um, be we, can, we can talk about that in the second half, but Chris, you, you, will, learn <laughs> about, you, will, you will learn about the origin of magic yeah. uh, very soon. <laughs> no, it's yeah. interesting because this morning, uh, uh, while dealing with, with the death pains of, of food poisoning, is when I, I tried to get Ayala uh, magic, and I just had that experience, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Did you figure out to give Frog magic right when he jo- rejoined your party? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, not, you know, I thought about it, but for whatever reason, and it's one of those things of just how I was playing the game, I was like, all right, I'm going to get through this event, and then I'm going to do it. And then I think the first encounter when he rejoined my party, he looks around and goes, oh, my God, a human's doing magic. You know, I didn't think that was possible. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's go That's back. So cool. Sidetracking. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to go back and give you your water. Magic. Yeah, there, there is some backtracking in Chrono Trigger, but I don't think it's, it's not that No, crazy. it's not bad. And, I keep um, thinking it will be, and then it takes a minute to get to a gate, yeah. maybe two. You're like, oh, yeah, and, I but, walked across half the world, but that was fast. But both you and Alana alluded to it. Chrono Trigger does a pretty good job of communicating the uh, different gimmicks and different actions that are best for for fights. And, I, and for, I'm a little bit broken in that regard. I know the game so well, I already know how to do everything. So I'm I'm not really paying attention to the cues that I should be paying attention to, and I'm not I'm <laughs> yeah. not I'm not really figuring out boss battles because I already know what to do for each of them. But uh, yeah. things, yep. things like uh, uh, Magus changing weaknesses or, uh, yeah. or, or the that black, yeah, or, or the, or the black Tyranno um, turning its defense on and off uh, and, uh, and Nisbel being weak against electricity. But then, um, but then the more electricity damage you do to him, the more he does to you when he discharges yep. <laughs> uh, just like a, a lot of things like that are just interesting boss gimmicks that, Make them not impossibly difficult. I don't think Chrono Trigger is a very challenging game, but like there is a, a puzzle to figure out for most of no, the there's boss. There's a lot fights. of variety. It's yeah. not yeah. straightforward. Again, and it's that to me. I I would again classify it under that. It's just attention to detail. You could have just done a boss battle and kept it, you know, pretty straightforward. But everything is a, is a little bit above and beyond. Of like, let's change up the formula. Let's do it a little different. Like you said, in this case, you know, using lightning will do this to this person, but then maybe with the next boss, it's going to have a different effect. Pay attention to what the script says. You know, there's, there's, it, a, there's it a couple keeps bosses. There's a couple bosses in the second half of the game. One in particular, I'm thinking of that's uh, that's in a place called the Sun Shrine, where the gimmick, figuring out the gimmick is 
can be a little challenging. And uh, I, that was the the first time I played the game. That was the boss fight I f- remember finding the most challenging in the game. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you know which one what I'm talking about, Alana and Peter. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I have to say, talking about. Boss, sorry, Peter, but the the uh, the fight against uh, Magus's. I guess the first general you meet on the bridge when you fight him and he turns himself into a block of ice to defend himself. Oh yeah, Ozzy. Yep. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Ozzy. I was like, oh, you know, am I going to have to hit these things first, or like, do I have to get through this? And then he's taunting you every time you try. I tried to hit him twice, and I was like, you know what? All right, fine. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but then the fact that it ended that quickly, I was like, oh. You know, it's, it's sort of funny. They, na- <laughs> they named Ozzy Slash and Flea after rock stars in the yeah. in yeah. the uh, in the American uh, translation, but their original names are like. I think it's mayonnaise, mustard, and soy sauce, or something. But they, they have they have some completely ridiculous names. But I I, I appreciate the change to Ozzy Slash and Flea. I like the yeah. swordsman. His name Slash. I accept. A lot of muscle memory coming back for me with the boss designs because it's like right. I haven't I've, I've played this game a lot, but it's been a year. It's been years. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like I don't remember a lot of the finer points of Chrono Trigger, but as I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, I think I had the same experience, but I suppose powering through it at level 58 when I booted up the game didn't really help me to remember. It was just kind yes. of like, I'll just do Thunder 2 on everything kind of thing. Like, this will kill everything. And then you're like, oh, it really does. Like, uh, But you, you, even you still, nice. <laughs> for, but even uh, so- four or five years ago, I was I had to contribute to a Chrono Trigger guide for a site that I worked on. So I had to... I was immersed in Chrono Trigger as recently as I, w- I want to say five years ago. So I'm a lot of it's still pretty fresh in my memory. I, I still I still love it. I'll probably play this game every couple years forever because also I don't know if we've mentioned it. Chrono Trigger is not a very lengthy game. Um, no, no, it no, is for me not. because I'm learning it. Uh, right, but it, but um, even then, it's, it's still only going to be twenty hours. I feel like yeah, like my first playthrough and 100 percenting it. And getting the best ending with all the side quests was 25 hours, so it's not long at all, even if you, like, 100% it, basically, without getting to 99. Right. That's the only way you're going to make it really long. SNES RPGs, why were you so they're, kind? They're beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Even the long ones were, like, 35, 40 hours, and now we're living in a world of Dude. Persona 4s and, and Xenoblade Chronicles's where... I know. Yeah, you, 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 better, Although... you better have a couple spare months. Yeah, on some I I'd argue that a little bit. Some there's two different sides. I think Personas and Xenoblades are like eighty, ninety, a hundred hours top plus. And mm. then I would find some series have got shorter. So I found oh, here we go, Tales I, I... of Ha ah, they've got like <laughs> forty hours. The most recent ones have taken me around forty hours each time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a, a, no. new, a new trend necessarily, but, uh, but 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 Chrono Trigger feels brisk. Both the um, scope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both both back then and also, and also today, it it's, yep. it feels like a brief RPG that never really wears out its welcome. I was about yeah. to say that. That's the beauty of games like this: is that the charm br- can never wear off. Exactly, it's brief, and it do- You don't need it to be any longer. It's fine. It does everything, everything that it needs yeah. to do. It's a great honeymoon time. period, and and the yeah. length the length doesn't belie its depth either. No, nope. there's no. there's depth no. there's enough depth in, to, to its systems and everything you'd expect from an RP from an RPG of that era, but yeah. um, without any bloat. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I think the time helps time travel the theme a lot because if it was forty hours, we've seen how badly games can do time travel things and over over inflate them and completely blow them out of proportion but chrono trigger at 20 hours average probably just seems to fit it all in really nicely and neatly and 
it's great i love i forgot how short it was i was thinking to myself before i replayed it, i was like oh this is probably like 30 hours and then i remember looking across some youtube videos and just everyone was like yeah it's about 20 and i was like really <laughs> it's quite special so mike for your question that you asked us at the beginning of this do you think that this is the the best kind of time travel in video games i do yeah because it uh it, it doesn't trip over itself too much with the time travel nonsense. Like the uh, rescuing Marl in near the beginning of the game is a sort of an expo- uh, an exploration of the grandfather clause. Like you know, if you kill someone's grandfather, do uh, if you kill yep. your grandfather, does, do you cease to exist? Mm. And the um and the the general conceit of discovering that the world ends in an apocalypse and then trying to uh, um, prevent it and then learning more about different periods of the world as you are chasing after what Lavos is and what Lavos did, is it, it's a pretty concise and elegant ex- version of a time travel story that never quite feels convoluted. I did read in some article ages ago that uh, uh, Masato Kato, who, was the, uh, who wrote most of the script of the game, was originally planning on the game having branching pathways, uh, dep- depending, hmm. on, depending on certain events, but that became... But that way, it became too difficult to write, and uh, and too many contradictions would happen in the script. Yeah, so they so instead they just kept it fairly linear, with only certain conditions changing when you do certain things in the past, and then they implemented the system of multiple endings instead of branching paths. I think it's which smart. Is, which well, yeah, which is smart because um, time travel stories can trip over themselves a lot of the yeah. time. And as far as I'm concerned, the only really good time travel stories are Chrono Trigger. Uh, the first Back to the Future and um, the first Bill and Ted. That's about it. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty no much. love for no love for Terminator Two, huh? No, I mean I, I think Terminator One and Two are both sort of sweet, cool movies, but they don't really work as time travel stories. And I'm not a I'm no, not a doctor I'm not a Doctor <laughs> Who fan. I, uh, I... <laughs> no. <laughs> for me, just so like, yeah, that's about it. Twelve Monkeys is great. So great. Back when. Oh, Twelve Monkeys is really good. Well, okay, Tales of Fantasia is also pretty good. We, we've talked about the characters a little bit, but um, the, the six that we're going to talk about, we're avoiding talking about Mr. Seven, is uh, Chrono, Marl, and Luca, who are three teenagers from 1000 AD in a, a nice little steampunk medieval world. Then you have Frog, who is a swordsman that was transformed into a frog by an evil curse in 600 AD. Then Robo, the sentient... Uh, uh, pleasant robot from 2300 AD, and Isla, the uh, the prehistoric chieftain of a uh, of a tribe in 65 million BC. And also, this is yeah. There, uh, one thing Chrono Trigger doesn't do well at all is you know the different and eras of creativity. Of, yeah, the different eras of prehistoric fauna. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, like um, developed mammals and dinosaurs and humans all existing at the same time is not exactly consistent with science. But anyway. I mean, um, so well, there's a giant fire creature that comes to the planet. We we can we can take sure. Our, yeah, you know. I mean, they they can take some artistic liberties. I get it. So does um <laughs> does uh, do you, any of you three have a favorite character or a favorite team? Perhaps. Uh, yes, but you guys have played more, so you tell me first. Yeah. Okay, and, and, and avoid the seventh character, who I understand is really cool and really fun. Yes, <laughs> he is. I tend to. I tend to, to stick with the standard uh, Chrono, uh, Luca, and Marl because Luca is best girl, and um, um, Chrono, Chrono, Marl is my is my the ship that I'm that I'm on. But um, mm. Frog is probably my favorite character. I just like his story. It's one of yep. the first times that I ever got emotionally invested in a uh, in a character in a video mm-hmm. game. 
So I I have a very special fond, fond place in my heart for his little his little backstory and Cyrus. Yeah. yeah, it does it really cleverly, doesn't it? Because there's it's it's just enough, and the cutscene there's quite a lot of it. It's just no music, no dialogue. There's there's some dialogue, obviously, when they walk up to the mountain and and when it and when it does use the music, it's that one um God, yeah. what's that track called? It's called like bottom bottom of night or something like that. Yes. That is just like saddest piece of RPG music you'll ever hear in your life. Yeah, and, and Frog is so yeah, gallant. Like, there's nothing to dislike about Oh, and Frog. you're playing the version where he has the, like, old English accent. Yeah, yeah exactly. So he's he spe- completely, like, Shakespearean medieval kind yeah, of... He speaks even... with a uh, with a Gozaru samurai accent in the Japanese version. He and does. They, they translated that with, into a medieval accent in the uh, SNES version, and in the DS translation, they toned down... They, they make him very chivalrous and proper... But it, they toned down the like medieval vowel language in the DS version's translation. Oh, I don't. Art, have... Here cometh that boy. <laughs> yeah, I love that because it makes him so much more. Like you get immediately. I think you get the sense immediately that you meet when you meet him in the um, cathedral that he is a knight. You know, he's some grand. He's had some grand like title or liberty or anything like that. And you come across him and you're like, he's a frog, and it's just like, oh. Okay. <laughs> there's one moment. There's one moment I really like in the animated intro to the game when the, from the PS1 cutscenes is um, what how he's like it's doing the whole like he's kneeling in front of a grave and then he picks up the sword and walks away yes. all resolute like mm-hmm. it's, it's a very it's a very hero trope. I love it. Yeah, it's very it's very standard and tropey, but it's a t- cartoon frog drawn by Akira yeah. Toriyama, and that makes it a hundred times better. You got a little yeah. mustache. Right. <laughs> His little whisker things, and it's like, oh, I like I like frog a lot. Well. There's, I also think it's really cute when um, uh, Luca hates frogs and is grossed out by him when she first meets him. Yeah. But then, it, and then in, <laughs> in one of the endings, if you, I, I think it's challenging Lavos right after you kill Magus, but it would be a. Uh, Right after you defeat Magus, but it's—I don't remember exactly how it is. One of the endings is uh, when, um, when, when like the party reconvenes, uh, someone you haven't seen before walks by, and Luca's like, "Oh, who's that guy? He's—he's he's handsome." And and, and he he walks yeah. up to her and says, "Thank you to Luca," and walks away. It's like, "Oh my God, that was Frog." <laughs> <laughs> I love but it was uh, yeah, it was—it's a really cute ending. I don't remember the exact circumstances for unlocking it because there's like sixteen or twenty endings or something crazy. But yeah. isn't there like a isn't there like a a a, 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 will, a like a smasher pass ending for the for the girls? Oh oh yeah oh yeah no yeah, there there, there is one where it's where uh, Luca and Marl they go through the main characters and several NPCs and and comment on how good on it if they look good or not. <laughs> and um, there's another ending uh, where you walk through and there's a bunch and all of uh, several major players within the development team are sitting around in a room and they all have yeah. they all have ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous sprites representing them. Yeah, and, and, and you, and, I got I got that ending the other day. Tetsuya Nomura fake resets your game. Yeah. Oh, he does. <laughs> he does. Yeah, Nomura was a uh, he was a background <laughs> artist on this game. He hadn't really done any major games or he was the lead designer yet, but he was on the team. So so Chris, do you, do you have a favorite character so far of the I main do. of the main uh, six? I have to say, I mean, I renamed him because Frog was just so original, so <laughs> creative as a title. But uh he, Chrono, and Marl are my main three right now. Uh, Isla, I love, and I think she's just super powerful, but uh, mainly because I can't do the magic thing, and her heal isn't that useful. And I like being able to balance between Marl, and if I really need to, I can use Mr. Frogman. 
uh, to, you know, just always keep people alive. Basically playing it safe in that sense. But he can also deal enough damage, and of course, Chrono is just vicious. So yeah, that would be my three. And for very similar reasons, I just feel like the backstory to our frog knight, Mr. Glenn, is fantastic. It's the most interesting. It's the most dynamic. I also love, uh, I think I read it correctly, but I left the house too fast when you finally pick up the badge from the kid. Oh, right. Who stole it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as you're leaving, I think I heard the dad uh, say something about, like, you know, totally my fault, especially since your mother passed. And I was like, oh, I wanted to hate that kid. <laughs> you have to make it that his mom's dead. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's like a nice little detail to be like, yeah, you should hate this child, but he's got a sad life. So, you know, like. Oh. <laughs> so I just like every, the, that whole charted journey of, I can't join you. I need, I would need the, no, I just. Leave me alone, and you come back with the sword. The sword, but... So I could, but no, I can't. I must fight against my destiny. It's just, to what Peter said, it's very... It is a little obvious, but it's done so well because it's a friggin' frog. And he's charming as hell. He's a frog. And then he he slices a clip in half. It's amazing! Yeah, that seems really dope. I love that. Right. Oh, my, my favorite party is Chrono Isla and Robo, just because I, I like a lot of the dual and triple the a lot of the dual text that you can use in all oh. of them, and yeah, all great. three are crazy good attackers, especially when you have the final weapons for Chrono and Robo, and Robo can do an all heal, so yep, that's that, that's that's helpful. Yep, See, uh, his whole thing with his robot friends beating him up was very very yeah that was that, yeah that gets a little dark. It really does. It is dark. See, I was gonna bring up Robo. My well, my main party is um, Chrono Frog Isla because mm. even though Robo has a really good all heal, Frog and Isla have an all heal that does it does about half when you're at end game. So it does like five hundred, but it costs one MP each, and it's really great. And also they've got that really handy um, triple tech. I think it's called three D in the um, uh, Super Nintendo it's, version. Yeah, it's it's no three D attack in uh, yeah in that one. <laughs> They're really good for the final boss because you don't really get you have a couple of group encounters in the final boss, but they really work well together. And I think with Chrono's best magic spell plus their triple tech, which does like upwards of five thousand damage when you've got the best stats, it's a, is really handy. It, um, Chrono, nice. Frog, and Robo have basically an identical triple tech, where it, which, yeah. uh, which is a uh, just a single target physical attack. But with but with more healing and less speed and offense because Isla's all about speed and offense. Yeah, and I love Isla because and she's I, just crazy. And also, um, uh, Chrono and Isla have my favorite dual tech in the game, where Isla just throws Chrono in the air and he just streaks across the screen. Falcon, Falcon. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's it's Falcon hit and I think Falcon strike in the DS version. But it, yeah. but it deals damage to everything on screen in this straight line and just huge physical damage. It's yeah. it, I, I I use that Amazing. and also I mean yeah. minor spoiler alert. Both of the a, a couple of the final encounters have enemies lined up in a straight line, so I can just Falcon hit all of them. Yeah, <laughs> Falcon hit. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I I love messing around with the teams in Chrono Trigger. Uh, there's yeah. there's 15 triple techs and I think. Uh, and I think 45 dual techs because um, because the the seventh character does not have any dual techs. Interesting. But the uh, the previous six, every combination of two has three, and every trio involving Chrono has a triple tech. Um, and then there's five more triple techs that you can use by equipping certain items. 
Yes. And that's where you get the weirdo stuff, like the, like the frog, robo, marl, triple tech. Oh. And again, a couple others like that. Oh. But how about that system in general? Like um, characters combining powers for for special like special attacks and having basically, I guess, sixty of sixty of those combined kind of moves. Why don't more RPGs do that? Because like the dual tech and triple tech system, I think is just awesome. <laughs> it is really good. I think I am Setsuna probably did the same thing, but that right. Yeah, but that was basically a homage game anyway. Um, what I also really like, which some other RPGs did take on, a, a couple of Tales fact- games do that too. They do, yes. Um, they do Dual Mystic Arts in the, some of the more recent ones as well, as well as some um, like yeah, Dual Arts in Tales of Exilia. You can link up together and do like double attacks with two other people. Um, but also, I was thinking like area effect spells. So like, you've got like um Fire Sword or Fire Whirl, which you can used to attack a small area mm-hmm. but you'll hit like two or three enemies some rpgs have taken that on board like the, maybe not one like grandia um tales uh the, um, the 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 trails game the legend of heroes games have done that yes. most of the time uh lunar one and two both do legend that to great effect yep. yeah they're really really clever um i love the triple tech and the double tech system because it's like endless arrays of com- like combinations so it's like you want to use one person to take down one enemy, and then that's fine. But if you want to like make sure the job's done, then you can play around with two different things. And it's like, I don't know. Like my some of my favorites are the ones with Frog, because Frog gets his best tech, single tech is Frog Drop, which is based on a proportionate. Mm-hmm. I love Frog. I love Frog Drop. It's based proportionately on his HP. So if he's got like one HP, I'll probably do nine 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 or whatever. But um. I love the dual text he gets where it's just a frog. I think it's with Luca and it's it's called like Flame Frog or something like no, no, that. Fro- and it's frog, just a... it's a it's frog flare and it <laughs> Frog Flare. It's great. It's a flaming frog and it does like six thousand totally damage. Awesome. It's so good. And I just there's some really like cheesy ones like that one and then you've got like Isla and um frogs like Bubble Kiss, which does is the healing one. And then you've also got some really cool ones like there's, the... um... I, I used a, a party of Chrono, Marl, and Frog for most of uh, Magus's castle, and Chron- Frog and Marl have a dual tech called Ice Water, where it's just only two MP each, but it, it, <laughs> it but it deals like double magic damage to every enemy on screen. So I just so I, I rode Ice Water through all of Magus's castle until fighting, oh, yeah. until fighting Magus himself. And oh. uh, and um, Ryla and Robo have one called Beast Toss, where they throw they pick up an enemy and just throw it between them, uh, yes. between, e- between each other like a volleyball, <laughs> until they just <laughs> slam dunk it on the ground. They are just really crazy combinations, and there's so much. There's fun just finding them because yeah. you just you don't have you're not just given them. You have to do you have to good fight with that combination of people. Because yeah, un- unlocking, unlocking, unlocking the unlocking the multi techs and experimenting with them is definitely part of the fun, and it's awesome. Yeah, just. Just listening to you guys talk about it, just it, it, it's a brilliantly executed system, and it's, it's, it, rewar- it rewards you for experimenting. Um, it encourages you to try out all the other party members to see what you can find. Yeah. But it's almost all entirely viable, and that's the important thing yeah. about it. Because yeah. as we mentioned earlier, Chrono, Chrono, Tr- Chrono Trigger isn't a particularly difficult game. And while there, there are certainly – you could find an optimal strategy. I'm sure there is one. Um, just about anything will do. Um, is which is is something I really like about it is that you can you can get through the game by finding a team that you like. It's not like there's a worthless party member. Yeah, you didn't get screwed right. because you chose three people and against this X, you know against X or Y boss. You know you're gonna hit a wall. It can yeah. you can get through no matter what. 
Which I, I, and I have to say this, and this is a little off topic, but when we're talking about games that have emulated that system, uh, Setsuna actually has two strikes against it in terms of its emulation of this combat system. Oh, okay. Which which is that it doesn't indicate um, where your area of effect attacks are going to hit. Um, Oh. And it's, um, and your techs are tied to what items you have equipped. Interesting. Oh, really? And those are both, and those get those get to be major problems because um, and Setsuna, a lot of Setsuna's stat um, bonuses and other combat elements are semi-random, so it's actually um, it gets becomes harder to experiment. Um, then it actually it, it encourages the opposite um, approach, which is. Uh, like set, and, and that that's that's off topic, but I think, um, I think it's relevant because Setsuna is trying so hard to emulate Chrono Trigger, and in, in many ways it is a love letter to Chrono Trigger. But it also shows to me, upon playing the original now, how hard it uh, is to make it work. It, yeah, exactly. You you don't real you don't realize until you play Trigger, like as you mentioned earlier, Chris, just how detailed it is mm-hmm. and how much atten- how much attention they put into all these little systems. And that's it's it's no easy feat. Yeah, I was before you you just explained it all. I was going to say I think the reason why you don't see it in a lot Sorry. of other games. No, 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 no. Because you, you, I'm just saying same thought. It's that they it's to me the reason why you don't see the tech system like this in other games is that you would have to do so much QAing, so much testing to make sure it's balanced. And also, again, it's just extra work of how you visually portray every move because it's not just one person calling in ice and then you focus on the ice looking cool or summoning a creature and the summon becomes what's cool but the sprite is just you know raising their hands very basically to be like, I'm summoning, I'm doing magic stuff now. Now they go way more in depth with how they animate every little thing, how everyone interacts with each other to make it work. And, and and also like yeah. there's there's other challenges to that like when Marl or Luca cast uh, ice or fire, they don't just do the casting animation and the fire and ice appears. There's a little no. a little a little ice spark or a little um, travels yep. across the screen. Yeah. The screen or or Luca throws a little fireball and the mm-hmm. position of the enemy and the position of Luca will not always be the same place because Chrono Trigger doesn't have cutaway oh. battle scenes. Exactly, and that that yeah. that and that raises another consideration: is that every attack has to work in every combat environment. And yes, every and every combat encounter is is planned is is planned in advance. It's a set encounter, but that means that every attack has to work in it, it, seamlessly with yep. ev- with every combat encounter and every environment yeah. you find yourself mm-hmm. in. But yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's and just also, that um... much more effort. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think one reason that double tri- text and triple text work particularly well in Chrono Trigger is, b- is that uh, the interface makes it easy to see um, like who can do the attacks and where people are. Like uh, um, Alana's playing on a, a SNES emulated version, so that so the the character menus only take up just the bottom quarter or maybe bottom third of the screen, and you can. You can see by little meters when, like, what characters are ready to act, and you can just switch between character actions by uh, by just pressing left or right to go to each character's yeah. menu. It's not like you have to press a button to switch characters, or uh, or you know 
or, or like cycle between them. You can just yeah, see triangle to switch kind of. Yeah, thing. <laughs> on the on the DS version, it's even clearer because they keep the top screen open for the battle interface and the bottom screen for all of the menus. So you can just yep. do all your menu navigating quickly on the bottom screen, and it'll take place in the top screen. But because it's sort of minimalist in Chrono Trigger, and you can see like who's ready and switch between them easily, it makes the whole double triple tech thing a little easier to deal with. And it also yeah, puts little sure. arrows over whoever can do the triple tech, right, which is exactly. nice. It's really, really clean. Right, so... <laughs> <laughs> minimalist interfaces, uh, crafted encounters with that, um, that are context-dependent and environment-dependent. A, a lot of things that Chrono, Tri- and, uh, that Chrono Trigger implemented in a time when it, it wasn't even easy to think about those kind of things that seem seem very elegant and simple and deep at the same time today yep. in 2017, 22 years later. It's the easy-to-learn-hard-to-master mantra done it, right. It's remarkable that a game has so many modern-feeling uh, systems that haven't been terribly well-replicated very many times no. over the intervening 22 years. And again, yeah. I think polish is... It's, it's, I've been beating it over the head in terms of this game, but it... It really is just impeccably polished. And that's why I think playing it on DS or wherever, even today, it's stunning. It's not just fun and all the rest of it. It really is stunning. Not just pretty. It's just like, oh my god, you could just, you feel how much effort is in there. You know, other games might debatably have a better story and all the rest of it, but just it's so well put together and every element works so well. And it can still be charming and goofy as well as heartfelt and, and dark. Yeah, but you want to talk and do about so some, almost immediately. You want to talk about some story point. beats and some heartfelt and dark stuff. Wait until the second half of this podcast oh, sure. because because <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, because stuff gets real. I bet <laughs> most of the densest storytelling and some of the most dramatic moments all happen in the second half of Chrono Trigger, and I can't wait to hear about them from you. And the <laughs> and this and uh, the second second half of the game includes those. Um, that sort of open-ended, non-linear, those non-linear segments that we mentioned earlier, and uh, those are all awesome, too. There's some amazing story drama that happens in those optional segments. Yeah. It, uh, I Man, I would love to talk about them now, but I, I really don't want to spoil Chris. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, change topics a little bit again. Um, I th- Now, again, I'm just going to shower praise nonstop for every, anything Chrono Trigger, but I think it has one of the all-time great video game soundtracks. Oh yes, it. Yeah, it's, it's I, I would awesome. agree. Um, it's uh, it's also again, it's not super dynamic all the time with its orchestrations, but it fits the tone and mood think, very well every time. I think what it does, because Yasunori Mitsuda is obviously head composer and my like my favorite composer video game soundtracks. Yeah, um, he does a fantastic job, and something that he does with most of his games and carries them through. I may have mentioned this last month with Shadow Hearts and. Probably with Xenogears as well, and probably will bring it up with Chrono Cross and everything else. Mitsuda is very good with atmosphere, and I think the best instance of that is the music that plays in Megas's Castle, which is literally just yeah. like humming and whistles and laughter and just kind of the wind, like even the sound effects, like the wind. Yeah, like he's just so good at it, and I know he shares with um. Uematsu, I can never remember what Uematsu does, but I remember having it's... this argument with my other half. Like mm-hmm. he was like, "Surely Uematsu stuff's really good," and I'm like, "It's good, but like there's something about Mitsuda's stuff that you could tell." I think Mitsuda again maybe flipped a little bit on the 
battle theme. Like it's I'll, not uh, amazing. Um, but d- d- uh, hold up, hold up, just uh, for the benefit of listeners and to clarify things here. Oh yeah, Mitsuda, Mitsuda <laughs> wrote about eighty percent of Chrono Trigger's soundtrack. I, I think the total number of tracks is around uh, seventy, and he wrote. So, and he wrote like 55 of them, or, so, or, or quite a significant number. And um, because, but because he got extremely ill late in development, uh, Nobu Uematsu um, wrote most of the remaining tracks, and yeah. uh, and then Noriko Matsueda wrote one track. She wrote the uh, she wrote um, boss the, the main boss battle theme. But oh, every, cool. yeah, but wasn't Matsuda um, hospitalized? Uh, yeah. he, I think he had ulcers. Yeah, it was it was oh, real yeah. bad, and, and it, part of it was stress induced because he was working like a madman on the soundtrack. He was only a, he was only a sound designer with Square Enix, who, yeah. had, who had done like sound effects in, in earlier Square games, oh, not Square Enix, all just Square. And he, uh, but he felt, he, but he was underpaid, and he was like starving. So he said, "Look, I, I I need to either I need to compose music and get a raise, or otherwise I have to quit and change careers." So they so they let him <laughs> compo- so they let him compose Chrono Trigger. So this was the proving grounds. Yeah, I love that story. Yeah, so and it's an excellent soundtrack, and um, you can you can tell the difference between the Uematsu stuff and the uh, and the and the Mitsuda stuff. Uematsu latches on to melody a lot more, while Mitsuda yes. while Mitsuda tracks feel a little bit more full bodied, like they're they're trying to set a mood rather than rather than um, push a melody. So when you look at the Uematsu songs, like the uh, uh, he did the sort of guitar-heavy uh, Tyranno Lair theme. And yeah, the, uh, and that the, makes so much sense. And and the and the biker chase scene. <laughs> um, and I think one of the boss he also battles. He did um, Sealed Door. Yes. Which is which? Sealed Door is actually one of the most atmospheric tracks of the game. Mm, but, fair, but, yeah. so. but also, uh, it's a, it, it carries that pia- that piano melody for the entire time. It does. Yeah. So it's um, like both of them are two of the best Japanese composers of that era. And this was, yeah. you know, this was the make or break uh, soundtrack for Mitsuda. It's actually <laughs> the the fake story on how Final Fantasy was named because it was Square Enix's Square's last chance. That's actually that storyline is more true to Uematsu um, Mitsuda composing Chrono Trigger than it is to naming Final yeah. Fantasy. <laughs> but it's a it's a really great soundtrack. I love all of it. Um, and on Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross alone, Mitsuda is one of my favorite composers. Yes. I think what I love about it as well is each time period has got a different feel and a different sound to it. And that is like the way that's created is through the way that the continents are designed. So something I was should have brought up earlier was the fact that even though the continents, not specifically with 600 AD and 1000 AD, they're similar you can tell where things match up and meet in and in such subtle ways like truce canyon in 600 ad is probably possibly you can see hints of it and or you can see like in the mountain in 65 million bc like where you drop down and the reptites attack you you can see the similarities in them they're probably not possibly not the same place but you can see that design they're they're not but (laughs) no oh well well they look similar to me and i always think of them as like the same thing because it's like a linear path and you're attacked by enemies and you can't dodge one set of enemies and i always think of them as really similar places anyway but um the other thing is with the music so like with obviously with 65 million pc quite a lot of it is rhythmic it's there's lots of drums percussion um and then you've got the stuff in 
oh, I don't want to talk about Zeal, but I want to talk about Zeal because all the music in Zeal is amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the sitars, the sitars, and I'm just, oh, I love the music in Zeal so much. And it's it's hard to like not, like hard to not like cry over it and like fangirl over it here because it's just so great. And like every world map theme is memorable. If you played, yeah. if you played um, the movement in green or um corridors of time to anybody they would know what it's from and it's Mm -hmm. like a game soundtrack that almost transcends the game itself like there's Mm -hmm. so many good re the other thing is there's so many good recompositions of this soundtrack so i think a year and a half ago um mitsuda did um the cross trigger sound the redo of the end of time i think and there are some really, really good redos of those songs. Oh. Um, it's really fantastic. Um, we reviewed it, I believe. It's definitely not music of the year 15, so that is so worth a listen. Um, the it, the end credit song is what does it for me. Um, I, I don't know if that's getting too The end of ahead, time. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that track I used to like fall asleep to. It's so good. <laughs> that's really relaxing isn't it there's something it, that it carries is. over something that carries over to Chrono Cross as well is how soothing it is and gentle a lot of it is and the, the opening video mm-hmm. theme and the ending theme sort of fit together in a way because the, the ending theme yeah. borrows motifs from the opening theme but it's in a it's in a different key and uh, and yes. has and has you know a, a, a less dark foreboding tone and dark and foreboding tone and more of a very optimistic tone oh yeah oh yeah spoiler alert chris a lot of the endings are happy (laughs) oh great okay good i'm glad (laughs) most most of the time it's not going to have an open-ended depressing ending most of the time it's that's that's to butter you up and um, make you lower your guard before you get into chrono cross Right. Oh yeah. Chrono Cross is a bit of a yeah. messier story than Chrono Trigger. Just to, putting it charitably. Chrono Cross is kill your darlings the game. Okay. Aww. And also, um, Alana and Peter probably already know this. The um, one of the cutscenes added in the PlayStation version of Chrono Trigger acts as a bit of a a prequel or a preview to Chrono Cross. Well, the ending in that's the true. there's a new ending in the DS version that ties yes. directly into it. Oh, oh yes, right. yeah, that, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's nice of them, and it's it's actually great. Like it's it's actually one of my favorite one of my favorite um, scenes. Um, and I can't talk more about it because it talks about the secret character. But it, it yeah, oh. it's, it's, it's so good. It's it very cool because well, I know people really hate on Chrono Cross as, as a whole. Well, so I, I don't. Th- we'll we'll talk about Chrono Cross more when we do another episode about Chrono Trigger. But it's um, I, I think it's a good game. I think it's very divisive because it is. Not because it has Chrono in its in its name. I think it's a great story, but a, kind of a weird game. It, it's weird that... and it is divisive, and um, I, I think a lot of fans were upset because it wasn't it wasn't Chrono Trigger 2.0. That it, it is yep. definitely its own thing. Yeah. But, well, we can talk about that in greater detail in another episode. <laughs> Man, we've been chatting for over for over an hour here. Is there is there any uh, are there any must have points that we need to bring up? That we've that we've neglected because we've talked about gameplay, art design, music, characters. There's so much we can't talk about until after yeah. Zeal. Yeah, there's Zeal is my favorite part of the game. That is so everything that's kind after of the Tiff- Floodgate. And, and, and also, and, and famously, Zeal is the part that Kato, the the main screen, script writer, that was all him. Like uh, Sakaguchi yeah. and Hori did a lot of story planning for most of the game, and uh, mostly story planning for Hori and game game design for Sakaguchi, but 
like Kato, who's who went on to make Chrono Cross and Xenogears, Zeal is sort of the the story, the part of the story that he crafted. And man, stuff goes down in Zeal. It, it's cool. the part that's most central to the the myth, the mythos. Yes, very yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also so much of what we've discussed, like we've already referred to the side quests, mm-hmm. play with all the themes and build them up and expand them out. So we're definitely gonna like shower more praise on it and you're gonna love it chris because it just gets <laughs> better like there's not many games that can carry on their second half as well as chrono trigger does and chrono trigger is really really lovely and excellent yeah like i i know one thing i talk about a lot when i discuss game stories is that uh i feel that stakes are important mm-hmm. where that, that yeah. you know that um in order for me to stay invested the story stakes have to be present at least and preferably you know, escalate a little bit. And Chrono Trigger yeah. does it about as perfectly as any RPG. Like, the more, with every new segment, and the more you learn about what's happening in the game, the, the yeah. stakes rise. And by the time you finish Zeal, it's like, oh man, what is going on? And yeah, I'm just... curious. I'm curious if the dream sequence after the fight with Magus has anything to do with anything else further in the game. You don't have to answer it. You don't have to answer it. But that was one thing, that playing it through. I was like, huh, <laughs> very interesting choice. Like, huh. That just happened. Hmm. Yeah, potentially is the answer yeah, you'll get. That's what I thought. <laughs> I have an idea now, Chris. Um, you mm. have not, you've not played this game before. No. You, uh, you are enjoying it thus far, and you know very that, much so. And you know that very soon you will find a place called Zeal. Yes. So, d- give me a couple predictions that you have for the second half of the game. They, they don't. They don't have to be about the main story. They they can be about anything, but just one or two or three predictions of things you think may happen by, before the end of Chrono Trigger. Oh, jeez. Uh, I guess one thing that, that's that been fascinating me, uh-huh. and I don't know if it's going to be a prediction as much as just uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how certain through lines evolve. Like the connection between the lizard, uh, the reptile race, and the fiends. Uh, what is the connect? How you defeat Ozzy, and how exactly Lavos actually you know, is uh, brought back. You know, what's that trigger? Because according to that fight with Magus, he claims he's not finished. Clearly, he's done something, or something else has to happen that allows for 1999 to occur. One thing that that could curious about is if there is some kind of synchronization between one of the cast members and Lavos directly. If there is, you know, one of those kind of sacrifice for the world connections of if i die so can this creature or if it is you know the simple thing of like we're all gonna fight it together and defeat it and i don't mean that as in a bad thing but i don't know i just feel like there's there is that chrono has a far more direct connection to uh lavos or the cataclysmic event than i understand so far interesting okay uh in terms of zeal i uh I assumed that, and that's why I kind of mentioned the fiends and the reptiles, is that there is an ongoing cult of some kind or religion that probably uh, preaches something about cyclical nature of life and devastation events. And Lavos is, because, you know, I didn't even go into the crater uh, after we did the Tyrannos thing, so I really shut the clamshell and have no idea what happens next, if you actually see a creature or if it is a <laughs> just a meteor. And uh, that's one thing that interests me is, is Lavos actually the same thing to different eras or is it just the name of, and as history gets passed on, there is, you know, 
word of mouth oral history of this thing, La Voz, not just uh, as Isla says, you know, uh, fire, basically, you know, yeah, fire. Yeah, it, it, mean, it means big fire oh, or fire yeah, big. big. Fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At so oh, is oh. it is it that simple that it's just as history advances that conceit shifts to adapt to whatever you know cataclysmic event occurs to another era that they know of this thing and they've heard stories of this must be it too or is it actually the same creature that's lied, that has you know laid dormant for so long at the center of the earth as uh, I think Mag- uh, one of Magus's generals talks about uh, yeah, well, um, right uh, before the gate throws you into into back into prehistoric times Magus said no you fools I didn't create him I only summoned him he lies deep yeah. beneath the earth yeah growing ever yeah, so- stronger <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And and I remember in Medina they kind of referenced that as well with the, right. all of them worshiping uh, in the square. That's the yeah. That's that's one thing that fascinates me. Is it is it legitimately just it landed on Earth in sixty five million BC, and now it's just taken all this time to grow strong, or is it a little bit more complex than that? That's what I've been kind of fixated on. In terms of predictions, though, I that I really don't have. I think this game has so far done a pretty great job of, outside of certain obvious moments, but that's not a bad thing of, you know, how everything was going to go down with the sword and frog. Of course he's going to have to join you. Dude's awesome. Like, you know that that's going to be the case. you got to fix the sword, blah, blah, blah. But otherwise, I, I really have no predictions for the game because every time I think I know where it's going, they just tweak it a little bit. They introduce you to someone new or, you know, when you first go to the end of time and you talk to everyone there, uh, the conceit of not being – why you can't have more than three people in your party and they have to stay behind. Right. Yeah, they, they do like provide that, an explanation for that. <laughs> that fascinates me also because in terms of like when I was making the 12 Monkeys comparison of how time travel has worked so far, I feel like when things get crazier, what, what interests me is I wonder if it's – Basically because people who were supposed to have died but you've now interfered are now trapped in this other realm. And so you're constantly messing with the fabric of the universe by reintroducing them to different eras that they shouldn't belong in because they should be dead. You know, Isla should have died, Tyrannos and, uh, and the, the Reptile King. You know, if, if Frog should have died in that encounter with Magus, but he doesn't because you're with him. So that's... It's more about questions I have, whether they're answered or whether it actually matters instead of full-on predictions. But that's what I've been obsessing over for the past week. I am, in terms I am of not us. going to answer of any not. of those don't, questions don't. or just more acknowledge any of those predictions. Just throwing them out we, into the universe. We may revisit them in the second episode, which will uh, probably in, in two weeks, I think. But I'm, I'm glad that you are thinking about it. I'm glad that you have questions and that you'll see some of them answered or at least addressed. Cool. So that's so yeah. I'm I am looking forward to hearing your thoughts <laughs> and every and all of our thoughts on the second half of Chrono Trigger. But again, because I, I most of the time I like listening to retro when it's a new experience. That oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm in particular interested for your uh, for your thoughts. Yeah, Chris. it's fun. It's fun to be on the side of it. <laughs> so I think we've covered a lot of Chrono Trigger so far today, and I think we're gonna cap it off right now and. Uh, and come back in a couple weeks to talk about the Chrono Trigger's end game and overall themes and uh, maybe a little bit of cross. There, we, we, there's still a lot to talk about, and we're going to save it for the second episode. So I want to thank you, listeners, for staying along with us for uh, this week's episode of Retro Encounter. 
Next week we're going to be talking. It's going to be a pretty heavy Square Enix week because next week we're going to talk about our favorite Final Fantasy games, which is going to be a heated discussion <laughs> that I that I look oh. forward to getting a little a, a little healthy angry about. <laughs> I think you're going to get like ganged up on by girls because oh. Steph and I. Yeah. yeah. Final okay. Fantasy Adventure Two. Well, technically that is. Get out. Technically that. I know it's a game. Do you mean Final Fantasy Legend Two? Because there is no FF Adventure Two. Oh, it's just Adventure 1. You're right. Yeah, Adve- right. Adventure 1 is Psychonauts at 2-1, and Legend yeah, 2 is Saga 2. That's right. Yeah, that is the one I'm <laughs> getting heated already. Getting already. <laughs> you know, you, there, was a, there was a DS remake of FF Legend 2 that we never got in the in uh, overseas. All right, I just I actually just yeah. picked up a, a card of it, and I've been slowly going that's, through yeah, it. That's a, no, that's a good Game Boy RPG. So anyway, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy next week. And um, recently we held a poll, a, a public poll, not just an RPG staff poll, about which Dragon Quest game we we're going to play in for a future episode. Dragon Quest V won that poll, but we're not totally sure when we're going to do episodes about it because it's a little bit hard getting people scheduled, scheduling together. But later this year there will be a Dragon Quest V episode. And but if you want to talk to us about current or future or past episodes, the place to do it is to email us at retro at rpgfan.com, and or you can comment on RPG fans message boards, uh, visit the rpgfan.com Facebook page, uh, go on to iTunes and rate and review us, which which helps us get um, reach out to more listeners. So it's always appreciated when you do that, or do a similar thing on your different podcast listening venues. And if you want to reach us individually, uh, starting with Alana, where's the best place to do that? Um, okay, so you can tweet me at, at Alana Hagues, or I have a blog, which you can follow on my Twitter, it's the Ruby Rogue. Or if you want to talk to me on the forums, I am Diving Falcons, so shoot me a message and we'll talk. We'll talk Chrono Trigger all day. <laughs> and uh, Chris, your turn. Uh, at Chris Gebauer on Twitter. Chris Gavauer also on the site. I really was not creative with my name, people. So either way, you can find me pretty easily. I want you to uh, retitle it Dream Devourer after you finish this game. Uh, and and uh, Peter. Uh, I'm at, I have Fury on Twitter. Uh, same on the boards. Uh, Chris Gavauer, Dream Devourer is... Uh, I'm going to call you that from now on. Alright, mm, I'm, I'm Michael Salosi. <laughs> I am at the Real Monsoon on Twitter, Monsoon on the forums, and most of the time, if you email Retro at RPG Fan, I'm the person answering. So, I guess that about does it for this week. Uh, goodbye, and happy time travels. <laughs>